Welcome into another episode of Least Talk Forever in a rare pre-game special. Um, Kyle isn't with us again tonight. Uh, no one actually knows the reason this time. So if you can, chirp him on Twitter for it. I don't know if anyone actually chirped on Twitter the last time I told you guys to that, but if you're listening and you want to chirp him, send a chirp. Uh, my boy Scott is with me, though, um, as usual. Scott's probably the most reliable one of all of us when it comes to attendance for the podcast. Um, big week. Big week that just happened for the Leafs. What do you think about it, Scott? Just a little pre, pre-breakdown. We'll send it over to you. Uh, I mean, I'm not as uh, bent out of shape, I guess, with how they've been playing the first couple games as a, a lot of other people are. I mean, obviously they haven't been playing that great in a few um, a few of the games. And then the games that they did play or to, games that they did win, they didn't play well the whole game. But I'm not uh, buying into the sky is falling narrative of Toronto's going to blow it. They're not going to make the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, obviously the past couple years we've had better starts and then it's been stretches throughout the season, usually December or January and then the end of the year going into the playoffs where we kind of have our struggles. But this year it seems to be the beginning of the season. I mean, there are new players, so it's only going to be a matter of time for them to to make those adjustments and to fit in with whoever they're playing with and, and create chemistry with their line mates. But yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried. We still have, on paper, I guess, one of the best teams in the East. So it's just a matter of time before it all starts to click, and then the lease will be rolling, and everybody will be jumping back on the bandwagon. Yeah. So obviously, this is Toronto. This is probably the biggest media, and uh, maybe besides Montreal, but the biggest uh, media outlet in in all of hockey. So every time I flip through the stations. It's hard to believe, but I actually am getting annoyed, and I, I'm, I'm trying not to listen to hockey podcasts right now because all they're doing is talking about the Leafs. Like, everything that's about uh, hockey circles back to the Leafs and how they're struggling and this, that, the other. I mentioned this to you today, Scott. Tampa Bay has won uh, two cups and one Stanley Cup final with a loss in the last three years. They're one and three. They lost to Philadelphia, who's now still undefeated three games in. Uh, Edmonton lost to Buffalo, I think, last night or the night before. No one's talking about that. Uh, Calgary is the most impressive Canadian team there is right now. Ottawa isn't living up to expectation that they that people thought they would have. Just like, this interjection here. I think uh, for the positive side of impressive Calgary, but the most impressive Canadian team right now is clearly Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Four, four straight games of giving up multi-goal leads to a loss. Yeah, and uh, well, people will be listening to this tomorrow when it comes down. But tonight they play Minnesota. Who, um, excuse me. So Vancouver is yeah four straight games blown leads with a loss, and Van- and uh, Minnesota I think has allowed like something like fifteen plus goals already. So one of those teams are going to break and get a and get a W tonight. Um, I hope it's Vancouver because I want to see kind of see Minnesota and Bill Guerin live on that. We chose Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, train, but yeah, and that brings me back to my original point: Vancouver, zero four, four straight leads in a game. Quinn Hughes playing the worst defense of worse defensively than Justin Hall in that one play. Um, 
and, and it's not – I mean, the situation with Toronto, two and two, they've lost uh, some – they played down to their opponents because all of their opponents, maybe even Washington, might not be a playoff team this year. So it's kind of classic Toronto. But the one thing that I, I will say that some people point out is this team is not very different. Like, it is different. There is some players. There is depth. But the core team is there. You know what I mean? The coach is there. The GM is there. The ownership is there. The president is there. So what do you expect to change? Do you expect them to just walk into the to the dressing room tonight and say, all right, that's it. What's happened in the last seven years is over. We're not going to play that same way. It's probably a psychological issue. It's got to be at this point. They need sports psychologists to go in there and figure out why they play so poorly against teams that they should just kill. Sheldon Keefe said it best. We have elite players versus Arizona having none. And our elite players didn't play like elite players. And then yesterday or today, I guess technically yesterday, he had to kind of walk that back and, and talk about a little bit about how he he chose the wrong words. I mean, it's like, mm, I don't know if he much, did. Yeah, as much as people could have took offense to whatever he said. I mean, he is right. Besides no, maybe, but people besides didn't maybe. take offense for the Arizona fact. People said that that wasn't nice to say again about Matthews and Marner. Like it's it's but rooted. It's, yeah, it is. But there people are making a big deal about how like some people were making a big deal and making it a story that you know it's not fair to this person, it's not fair to that person. They never even talked about Arizona about how you ripped Arizona. I mean that is also true as well. But it's like where's the accountability? Like he's trying to hold his players accountable, and people have such a big issue with it. Yeah, I think. Uh... The, from the fan perspective side of that, it could be the, I mean, maybe not necessarily build up, but specifically for those star players, the Matthews, the Marners, the Nylanders, et cetera, uh, those were the guys that were overhyped in the, not maybe not overhyped, but over-talked about in the offseason because they didn't want to talk about how Toronto was getting worse with the, the poor signings and they're letting the toughness go and yada, yada, yada. So Matthews was going to get 70, 80 goals. Marner was going to get 120 points. Nylander was going to have an 80, 90-point season. Yeah. So then when the season starts and Matthews isn't scoring four goals a game and Marner isn't putting up eight assists a game and Nylander, although I, I think Neil, of all of them, I think Nylander's played the best. Yeah, Nylander Marner, has like five points. And Tavares has played well, but I think Nylander then Marner is a close second. But like I think it was a kind of like a counter – um, narrative of them in the offseason of hyping up these players so that they weren't always talking about the negatives of that necessarily shouldn't have really been talked about because the players they had this offseason aren't necessarily even that bad. But you know what I mean? Like Matthews was every day it was, is Matthews going to get 70? Is Matthews going to get to 80? And then it was, well, if Matthews gets to 70, is Marner going to get 100 points? And then, oh, is Nylander going to have a bounce back here and get 90 points? And And then when the season starts and they lose the first game, and then the the next couple games, Matthews, Marner, Neeland, I guess besides Neeland, but Matthews, Marner, they only have like one or two points. And then the game against Arizona where everybody played like crap for most of the game, those those overhyped narratives that they were talking about in the offseason are looking more uh, serious now because how the media played it up as, is there are they going to do that? Oh, actually they are. And then when they're not doing it, all the fans jump off the bandwagon again, right? Yeah, and I mean like, as you said, the players that they're adding, um, the players that they added aren't that bad. Yes, this, I haven't been super overly impressed with some of the the things I've seen. However, that being said, the fans and the media are, are always 
they always do the same thing, always, always, like over and over again. It's they bring in a good player or they bring in a decent player like say Zach Asheris or they bring in Yarkroak and then the in the preseason that coach talks him up about he's a Swiss Army knife for he hits everything that moves and he's defensively good and uh you know this that the other and then the the team or the fans and the media almost well of course the media they need stories but the the fans go into this season or a season expecting those players to be difference makers like they think the Abe Kubel line the Camp and Zach Asheris are going to go in there, crush everything, and turn the puck over, quickly switch off, and here comes Matthews on a 2 on 0 with Marner, and they're going to score. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because at one point they said they forecheck hard, they get a lot of turnovers, they break up cycles, and they're good defensively. So then when that's not happening, it's like, oh, man, what did Kyle do was do? This team sucks. They didn't bring in anyone that's good. Blah, blah, blah. No, you're not giving them any chance. Mind you, there is some plays that I'm just like, or some situations that, I, mind you, I haven't watched all the, every second of every game. And in fact, I'm missing tonight, so Scott's going to have to keep us informed. However, I still think that there's sometimes like we do, like in the Arizona game, we needed a a turn of events, like that they started playing it, they started putting it on in the in the third, they started coming back, the energy was there. But I think during the second period, when they're getting booed and all this other BS, I think they needed Zach Ashton Reese or Abe Kubel or someone just to just to destroy someone to get the fans back into it. You know what I mean? Get the get the energy back. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that, but in just to, to, to play the devil's advocate, advocate here, uh, when they were getting, maybe not necessarily dominated, but pretty much dominated in the second period, they played like crap against Arizona, who is arguably the worst team in the league, then, yeah, maybe your, your gritty depth guys should have stepped up and tried to forecheck or hit or whatever to turn the puck over, but your four superstar players should have also picked up the pace a little bit and, and showed a little bit more uh, urgency in their game as, as opposed to just letting the game play out the way it did. Like, yeah, it would have helped if Abe Kubel or Austin Reese or whoever went out there and started throwing hits, but <clears throat> excuse me. The, uh, the, the other end of it is then Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, whoever still need to step up and, and play offense. And yeah. Throughout most of the second true. period, it just seemed like nobody wanted really to do anything. They were just floating around, letting Arizona dictate what was happening. Everything? <clears throat> yeah. That was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen. Well, I mean, besides the first 10 minutes and the last six, five, six minutes of the third, the first 10 minutes of yeah. the first period. Everyone's talking about the first. First ten minutes of the first period, I get it; it was good, but also Toronto only generated three shots because they were but, so worried about working the puck around and trying yeah, to have puck but, control. But they also had like seventeen or eighteen shot attempts. Arizona well, just valid, yeah. I think Arizona finished the game with what, like eleven or twelve block shots. So they, they were they were shooting the puck, not necessarily always. At times they should have. It just a lot of the times they weren't hitting the net, or it was going wide, or it was getting blocked, or whatever. But there was the stretch there with they did a whole line change. I think it was like two minutes and 37 seconds or something of just constant pressure. offensive zone pressure. And it looked like the game was going to just be that the whole time. And then once the 10-minute mark hit, Arizona kind of slowly came back and then took over in the second. And then Toronto had to kind of scramble at the end. But should have won the game, if you ask me. That's a whole other yes, story. Let's... Let's get into that uh, here in a second. So 
uh, goal scorers in the, in the well, let's uh, let's just talk about the news first, and then we'll get into that a little bit after. So in the news, uh, I'll go over a couple. I'll go over a couple. Um, obviously, devastating news for Matt Murray. He's injured again. That's pretty much it. He's got some <laughs> adductor injury. I don't even know where the heck that is on your body. Groin area? muscle in your in your inner thigh. Okay, I, well I looked it up. I think it's muscle in your inner thigh. I looked because I didn't know where it was either, so I looked it up the other day and I'm pretty sure it was in your inner thigh. So near, like up near your groin. Yeah, okay, that makes sense because they did say it was a groin area injury. So he's uh He's on the shelf for 10 games or 24 days on LTIR, which provides a little bit more cap flexibility, which a lot of people were happy about. However, I'm not super thrilled about the injury already. Two things about this. One, I'm happy for it because I personally think uh, Ilya Samsonov is going to be a better starter and potentially the future of the Toronto Police if he can have a good year and they can sign him. Two, And they I play the way they should be playing, not exactly against Arizona. But secondly, and most importantly, I find it funny that when they trade for Matt Murray, everyone said, "How? Did, why did you only get Air, or, uh, Ottawa to, to retain 25%? You guys suck. 4.6 million. Da 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 da." And then when he gets injured, they're like, "Oh, why did you get? Why did you get Ottawa to retain any? You could have put on the whole six million dollar contract." It's like, are you guys dumb or stupid? Because there's no other alternative. Like, but it also would have been. It also would have been in line with Toronto history that they didn't get the the cap retention from Ottawa and then Matt Murray doesn't get hurt. Exactly, yeah. So the 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 most important thing is I don't I personally do not believe with all my heart that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith brought Matt Murray be, for the expectation that he's going to be hurt. No, I think I, that that was that was legitimately the best offer option that they had until they found out about Ilya Samsonov, but first yeah. they went for Mark Andre Fleury that didn't work. Second, they went for Billy Huso. That didn't work. Then they tried the trade option, apparently, between Blackwood and Gibson. Those two fell through. Nothing nothing came of it. So then we're on to who's left of the trade options or goalie options out there. Matt Murray. Then, as you had mentioned earlier on the podcast, weeks and weeks ago, months ago, when it first happened, as you figured, and I agree with you, they got Matt Murray, and then Elias Samsonov wasn't qualified, and then they got him. Yeah, because they didn't expect Samsonov to be available, so they went with Murray. Exactly. Or it could have been a... Pardon? I said, and then the day after, Samsonov was uh, became a free agent. So it feels like it was then, kind of like a, a panic move by them because there was no other options and they needed the goalie. And then potentially yeah. a goalie who could play potentially well for them became available. So it, was, it, it made the Matt Murray move look bad. But at the time of, of Matt Murray's signing with the Leafs, it was like, who else was there? Who else are you going to get? They tried everybody else and everybody else kind of went with a different team or they yeah. couldn't make a trade. So, so in that in that case, I I truly don't believe that this was intentional an intentional plan for Toronto to have happen. However, he's on the shelf, as mentioned, LTIR. So that's ten day, ten games or twenty four days minimum. Uh, he's out for apparently he's supposed to be slated back to come to come back early December. So about four to six weeks, I'd imagine. Then that one's going to be one that they out. Oh, they really sorry, I just cut myself. They really, uh, uh, um, they're really weighted out. Like I feel like if it takes them eight weeks to get him back, that takes them eight weeks. Then in the last game against Arizona, on the most fluke, uh, innocent-looking play, 
Jake Muslin again for two years in a row. And I'm not dissing the guy because he's got family and, and he's injury prone in his career, whatever his life after hockey. However, this is twice in two years that this has happened. Last year was Chris Weidman when they ran into each other in Montreal. And then this year, him and Clayton Keller just ran into each other. Somehow he jarred his neck and he's out. He's out for a minimum, I think that's seven days is uh, IR, I believe, something like that. However, the important part about IR, so you only have a certain amount of LTIR space that you can use. And if Toronto would have put him on there and then he came back and say a week, then they wasted that contract to put on LTIR. So they put him on the IR, which gives Toronto one extra um, roster space on their active roster. So then in turn, they call it Philip Krull, along with uh, Eric Schalgren, Nick Robertson, Wayne Simmons, and Victor Mete. I'm going to pass over to Scott so you can hear a different voice to discuss the rest of the stuff. Uh, I think the, the only thing left on our news um, breakdown is the, the lineup changes that are for today's game. Yeah, uh, which yeah, is Dennis Morgan's out. <laughs> what? I said, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, whatever. So it kind of flowed do, together. So we're going to do half, and then I just took them all. Uh, Dennis Morgan is out of the lineup tonight. Uh, Nick Robertson slots in, which should be exciting because coming out of the preseason, he was um, highly expected to to have made the roster or at least been a hopeful to make the roster, and everybody was excited to see what he would do. And then Victor Mente slots in on defense in replace of Jake Muzzin, who was injured. Uh, surpri- I'm kind of surprised about the Mulgan. Like I've, I've, I've seen on Twitter and other people talking about how he hasn't looked impressive this year. And uh, like it was Mulgan's fun. The Mulgan everybody knows is finally showing up, yada, yada, yada. And I didn't watch the most of the Montreal game where he scored. I don't exactly know how well he played in that game, but the besides the Washington game, the other games, the lineups were kind of being rotated as the game was played. So I don't really feel like it's his necessarily his fault when he originally slots in on line with Tavares and Nylander. Yeah, he only but played then, nine minutes. Yeah, when the when Toronto plays that crap and the lineups get shuffled around and he's kind of the odd man down and he his minutes go down, like you're not expecting him to put up 60 points in the season or 50 points or even 40 when he's only playing eight, nine minutes a game because Sheldon Keith puts the lineups in a blender the second the least are playing like crap. Yeah, so just a little bit of update because this is perfect timing because we're doing it beforehand, so it's 6.30 our time. Uh, Leafs lineup, Scott, tell me what you think. Last week, last game, Sheldon Keith says that there's going to be major changes, right? And there's not besides New Robertson. Yeah, so Bunting Marner, Bunting Matthews, nice. Bunting Matthews Marner, Robertson Tavares Nylander, Ingvald Kerfoot Yarncroak, Ashton Reese Camp, Abel. I said it right twice already. Anyways, Riley Brody, Sandine Muzzin, sorry, Sandine Hall, Giordano Mete, Samsonov starts, Shogren gets the backup. Literally, the only difference is Mete comes in. And why are you playing Victor Mete with Giordano when you should be playing uh, Sandine? with Giordano because Sandine can benefit from Giordano and not look like a complete ass plug. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, not look like a complete plug playing with Justin Hall. Sometimes I feel like after every game, Sheldon, after every loss, and specifically the embarrassing losses, like the Arizona game, um, Sheldon Keefe says to the media that there's going to be massive lineup changes just to cause a, a, a stir in, and everybody runs and puts on articles and the Leafs are kind of the attention 
like getting the yeah, attention, lot. getting the focus. And then the next Literally. game that they play, no lineup changes happened, barring injuries, whatever, like tonight. Or I guess the Robertson thing, but like the lineup's exactly the same except for Robertson and for Morgan on the second line. You so know who should be taken out? Engel? I'll tell you who should be taken out. Freaking Zoolander. That's what they call Ingvall because apparently he's a space cadet. Yeah. But he, they he's should be been taking horrible. him out and they should be putting Wayne Simmons in the lineup as well. And maybe not take, even taking out Morgan, maybe dropping Morgan down. But if you do, put in Wayne Simmons, give him a trial. But I do agree. I forgot he was on this team. Like he has done, besides the where he got laid out, what was that against Ottawa or Washington, and Marner had the breakaway off of it. He's done nothing. Like I'm, I'm, I barely know him at all in any of the games that he's played in. As opposed to last year, where at times throughout most of the season he was at least talked about, whether by commentary or the intermission commercial break little speeches that the commentators give. Or even just like carrying the puck and the, the like passing it around, setting up plays. But like this season so far, and I know it's only four games, but like he's been non-existent besides that one play, and that play was him getting laid out. So like like I don't know why Mal- even like I get maybe people are saying Malgin is playing like crap or whatever, and he may be. Like I I don't remember him even being mentioned once in the Arizona game. So yeah, but apparently they're mad. Uh, Toronto's not happy because he hasn't had a shot attempt since. Montreal's game, and he's only averaged yeah, like 10 minutes on the ice. But, okay, well, let me finish my point, because I want to get on to that, too. But I would have kept Morgan in and, and subbed down Engvall, who's done absolutely nothing. At least Morgan has a goal. So, just quickly to touch on your point there, Morgan's on a line with Tavares and Nylander. Why the hell would you need him to get shot attempts? You have Toronto's the second best shooter in William Nylander, and a uh, I'm pretty sure former 35 to 40 goal scorer, maybe in and around that range in John Tavares. John Tavares scored 53 with Toronto. Okay, but then there year. you go. Like, wh- why would you need Dennis? Why would you put Dennis Morgan on the line and expect him to get five, six shots a game? His yeah, role on just, that, his role on that line should just be getting or getting it to Tavares so they can yeah. score and they can shoot. Why, exactly. why are you worrying about him getting shot attempts? But that's the thing. It's like, okay, so people are saying Robertson shouldn't be playing on the second line. He should be playing on the top line. And I have a reason as to why they say this. But then you have three – well, Marner's not a not a big shooter, but he shoots now more often than he did. So now you have three shooters on that line if you put Robertson on that line. You drop him down to the second line, the hope is that he's going to get shot attempts. But then he's taking shot attempts against Will, from, from William Nylander. I think this is why Toronto should space out their lineup. And I'm not talking about Martyrs and Matthews being separated and Tavares and um, Nylander being separated. I'm saying if you put, if you really thought about it, and say in this game, you put Ingvall on the second line to be the digger with Tavares and Nylander, and then you put Robertson on a line with Kerfoot and Yarncroke, who literally play the same style, just get the puck, dig for the puck, keep going on the puck, hustle, 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 and you put him with a guy who can shoot, and you play those lines not. 45 minutes, 6 minutes, and 10 minutes, you play the lines like 19, 15, or 20, 15, and 13, or 14, then Robertson's still going to get the same chance. You know what I mean? Like, then you have basically three lines of shooters who can who can all put up points rather than putting all these shooters on one line together. And then the other reason, the other thing is, apparently Bunting's in uh, Sheldon Hughes' doghouse. Says reporters. Reporters are saying that he's falling out of favor because two reasons. One, because people have caught on to his 
Darcy Tucker like tactics, so they he doesn't draw as many penalties. And if he does, it's coincidental. And secondly, apparently this is a rumor that I heard today on a podcast from yesterday, which I I actually not even lying to you turned off right after I heard this. The one number one reason why allegedly why Sheldon Keith's not happy with Michael Bunting is because one time he referred to their line as his line, like he said, "Me and the boys," and then Sheldon Keith came out to the media after and said the line with Maddie and Marner or uh, Maddie and Mitch and Bunts on the line is good, but they referred to him as the last person on that line, meaning it's not his line. That's how people took it, rather than just saying Maddie and Mitch and then Bunting. You know what I mean? People interpreted that like Sheldon Keefe says Michael Bunting is not impressive or not important on that line. So now people are saying that he's Sheldon Keefe and Sheldon Keefe's dog goes because he said that it was his line as well and Sheldon Keefe didn't. Like, are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> That's what we're worried about? That's what people are writing stories about? I I don't... I mean, it that may is, be true. That is, that is actually bullshit if you interpreted Sheldon Keefe saying Maddie and Mitch and Bunting. As like a, feel like it's not his line. Them trying to get views on articles and stuff. Exactly, but it's like, and then on top of that, he he's the one that gets put in the blender when the lines get shuffled up, because they're not going to separate Mitch and Mar- uh, Mitch and Matthew or what the heck, uh, Marner and Matthews. They're going to obviously separate the third guy on that line. You know what I mean? So then people are like, oh, Mitch, uh, Michael Bunting's in the doghouse. So many M's on this team. Like I'm confused. Anyways, yeah, I, don't, I just think that's I don't a terrible believe... story. The what was the first one? The reason the, that he's in the doghouse. Yeah, like what was the first reason though? The second reason was the article, the n- interpretation of what Sheldon Keith says. But what was the first reason? Oh, that people caught on to his yeah his antics of 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 uh, drawing penalties and stuff. I I think that's maybe a little bit more believable than the, the interpretation by the media, which. Based on past history, Toronto media is horrible at interpreting stuff people say and, and yeah. pushing a certain narrative based on what they think people say. But I don't know. It just I don't I don't see them breaking up that line. Maybe mid game, Bunting gets shuffled like they have been, but I don't know why you would why you would do that when Matthews and Martin are hundred point players and with those hundred point players, Bunting turned into a fifty, sixty point player. And the other thing I heard today was um, some people tend to think that there's a chance that Sheldon Keefe and Michael Bunting – what? What am I doing here? Sheldon Keefe and uh, Kyle Dubas are trying hard to put Michael Bunting in situations where he'll fail a little bit so then he doesn't get as much um, money on his next contract. Who is this reporter? Steve Simmons? Like- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just um, – well, I'm not going to end the podcast because – like I'm not exposing anyone, but I was listening to a podcast, and basically these are the things. Are you okay over there? Yeah, sorry, I was just sneezing, and it oh. now my nose is sore, so I was snuffling a bit. All right, so Scott's got COVID. Nice to know. Um, so we're just gonna get a word Sneeze, from our sneezing sponsors. Sneezing a symptom of COVID? I don't know. Never had okay. it. Did you have? <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, it's faking it. Anyways, um. So I'm gonna get a. We're gonna get a word from our sponsors. Write down the promo code. I still haven't figured. I think it's just THPN because that's all I put in on the DraftKings sponsorship when I clicked the link and did all that kind of um, stuff. Now I'm just gonna tell the people that are listening. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast like religiously, like weekly, but if you do listen to this and you enjoy hearing my voice, close your eyes and think of this situation. 
You're on Nylon. You're going through your phone. It's hockey season. You're looking at all the games that are played. You click on the Toronto-Dallas game. You go over to shots on goal. And you're just taking a little bit of a peek on who's there. You got the over-under. Then you go down a couple other games. You're basically... Okay, that's enough of that. So basically all I do is... Why I look at all the... No. <laughs> no, why, why, why are you on an island? Oh, I, actually, I was just copying something I heard off Family Guys, so I apologize. Oh, okay. But it wasn't going to work. So anyways, basically what I do is I go through all the games. I look at all the people on shots on goal that on the list, and then I go and I do a little bit of research and see how many times they've hit that plus or over under. So, for example, Willie Nylander is like, I think, uh, one, 110 to have uh, uh, over two and a half goals, under two and a half, like you can choose either. Sorry, two and a half shots. Every time, every game for the last four games, he's had two and a half or three plus shots on net. So I picked him. Matthew Shane historically gets more than two plus two or two and a half shots on net. So I'm picking basically what I've been doing is I've been doing a little bit of research and I've been picking those shots on goal because they're easier to obtain than rather than guessing someone's goals. Sometimes you can guess players like Stamkos, this, that, the other, like notorious goal source, but I'm not going to pick Hampus Lindholm just because it's plus 500. You know what I mean? So basically what I do is I add like a six or seven game parlay and then I, I do one from another sport. So one time last Thursday I did the the football one and lost. This Thursday I added Jose Altuve on a plus plus money for over one hit. All he needs to do is get over one hit. And I've beat it. So if all of the players that I picked get over the shots and Jose Altuve gets over the one hit in the game, I'm looking at $117. So write down this promo code because it gives you a little bit extra boost. Maybe try the shots on goal if you're interested in betting because I find it easier than guessing scores or guessing the spread or guessing who scores in the game and just choose the shots on goal or sometimes in basketball, like I was going to choose today, uh, onto the Kupos plus nine or over nine rebounds, but I'm not 100% sure about basketball, so I left it. But just little things, if you do player props and you parlay those, it's a little bit easier than doing the spread. Anyways, there's your bag segment for the week. Um, we're going to read off the ad read here, so write down the promo code, and uh, we'll get back at her for a little bit. we got to hurry up because the hockey game's coming on soon. All right, take a listen. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. One team I'm going to place a bet on is the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup at plus 700. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger pounds with same game parlays. Combine multi-bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot to win even bigger pounds. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can pause and withdraw your money whenever you want so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN bet five dollars on any team to win their game and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do that code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see notes for details I really do think that shots on goal are easier I think I've won like, I think four or five nights. And it's sometimes it's like super 
but basically what I'll do is I'll bet on the early games, 7 to 8 o'clock, whatever games. And then later in the night, I'll bet, if I can remember, I'll bet a little bit, 50 cents. I never bet usually more than a dollar on a bet unless it's free money, like I get a promo. But I'll bet like 50 cents on this, 50 cents on that. Tonight I didn't, but typically on a night, I'll do 50 cents on the early games, 50 cents on the late games. And sometimes I win 10 bucks on the late games, 12 bucks, 17 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever. I think altogether, I think I've won like under 100 bucks, but maybe like 50 bucks on just betting on shots on goal. Besides that one time I won the big money on the football. But it's a smart strategy because like you're only putting 50 cents. You're winning money. You can withdraw money after. Like usually if I win, like if I have 60 bucks on the balance, I'll withdraw 40, keep 20 in there. I never need to put money back because I'm always betting 50 cents. So just a couple smart strategies that um, win you a little bit extra money and don't put you in the poorest. Um, yeah, so that's a do do do. That's a wrap on our uh, on our sports betting segment. I know it's not as uh, good as Kyle rhyming off a whole bunch well, of stuff. Why were you about to sing the sports on our theme song? Yeah, I was gonna, but then I was like, yeah, we probably don't have any right to do that. Um, so my apologies. So let's just wrap up quickly with a couple of recaps of the games. We had the Ottawa game where Toronto was victorious, three two. Um, Nylander, Hall, and Kerfoot or Camp with the goals. Also, I think it's Toronto's 17 and 0 or something like that, plus 10 games that they've won when Camp scores. I don't think they've lost when Camp scores. Samsonov was excellent in that game, 16 shot. Sorry, what? 26 shots, 28 saves for a 929 save percent average. Scott, take it away with game two. Uh, yeah, game two, which we kind of talked about in the earlier segment, but. Uh, Toronto lost 4-2 to Arizona. Uh, Jake Muzzin got hurt uh, running into Clayton Keller. Marner, Nylander, and Kerfoot. Oh, no. Yeah. Marner and Nylander scored. Kerfoot should have scored, but they disallowed it. And uh, Eric Schalgren, although playing well, I thought, for most of the night because of Arizona's kind of pressure in the late first, second, early third, finished with uh, 15 saves and an 833 save percentage. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah, I, I did I also want... think he played well. Just well, yeah, enough, if given, he, if given how aggressive he played. Yeah, but I mean, like, if, if Arizona was a decent, like, I know they beat Toronto, but if they were, again, an average hockey team, they probably would add 25 shots on them, which yeah. his save percentage wouldn't look so bad. But, anyways, where are you going to say? Um, you just wanted I, to address just, the, the, um, the disallowed goal. Yeah. Because I thought that... So, I know... I don't know how many of people who listen to this or, or watched the game or saw the highlights. I'm pretty sure most of you already did. But just to go over it again, uh, with, what, 40, 45 to 35 seconds left, uh, Arizona tried to dump the puck out. It hit off of Morgan Riley's glove, which also had um, an Arizona player stick in it. So, it could have went either way, I guess, if you if you look at it from that aspect. The puck fell to the ice. It came out to Mitch Marner, who dumped it in, hit off another Arizona, like shot it in more, farther into the zone. It hit off another Arizona player where Kerfoot picked it up. Was Kerfoot or Nylander? No, Tur- Tavares shot it. Tavares shot it, and then Kerfoot yeah. uh, ended up with the goal. On the next face Toronto tied the game uh, 3-3. Uh, Arizona decided, or they decided to send it up to the video reviews um, 
situation room. Call situation room. Uh, because in the last minute of play, if there's a uh, a review, then the situation room has to take over. The situation room reviewed it and found that they referees had missed the stoppage in play with Morgan Riley's hand pass, so they disallowed Toronto's goal, and then Arizona ended up scoring into the empty net to win four two, which caused a lot of controversy amongst uh, Leafs fans and other. I've, I saw other, well, at least from their Twitter profiles, they seem like other team fans. I saw a guy from Edmonton. I saw a guy from Arizona. A couple of Calgary fans, whatever, say that Toronto got screwed over because with the Arizona player stick in the gloves, you you, you technically could argue that the puck hit the, the player stick and not the glove. You could argue it hit the glove, whatever. But I don't know. To me, it just seemed a little weird that in that moment they – I don't know. It just uh, to me, it should have been allowed. It, it, there wasn't enough evidence to prove it was a hand pass, in the traditional sense of a hand pass, to to overturn the goal and and view, uh, rule that it should have been a stoppage in play. Well, the, the the main reason why I think it should have counted is because if you actually look at the rule, it's if a player intentionally bats the puck or pushes the puck towards his teammate to give the team an advantage. Technically, if it wasn't for Clayton Keller's stick being in Morgan Riley's glove, he should have, what probably would have happened was he would have dropped it down and then passed it back into the zone, whether or not in the zone, deeper into the corner or into the deeper into the zone, I should say, um, like a dump in. But because Clayton Keller's stick was in his glove, then he couldn't get his stick, his glove, other glove back on his stick, which caused the puck to come loose where it hit Clayton Keller. That doesn't count as a possession. A lot of people were saying that should count. It doesn't count as a possession for Arizona to take the puck because they didn't have possession of the puck. And then Morgan Riley digs it out. But he didn't intentionally bat the puck or knock the puck or any kind of um, motion to the puck to try and push it to his teammate. It looked like he was going to try and catch it, put it down, and then keep it in. You know what I mean? Keep the puck going, keep the cycle going. However, Clayton Color stick was there. So therefore, I think that it should have been inconclusive because yes, it his glove, but if if you want to get technical, you see a lot of hand passes where like they bat the puck down like away, like they're volleyball spiking it, or they're in the mix and they're in the scrum and they knock the puck loose with their hand and it, it goes to a teammate. This wasn't that. Like yeah. typically every time there's a hand pass, near Scott will yell out hand pass because it's obvious. Those are evident, obvious. You can't you can't miss those. This situation was so um, quick, so I would say unintentional. Like, I don't think you could ask Morgan Riley any time in his life, and he would say that was on purpose, and not just because obviously he he doesn't want it to be on purpose. But I truly think that that was a a, a situation where Clayton Keller's stick was causing that situation to happen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who would agree with that. I don't really care if you do or don't agree with it. However, I still think that if you take Clayton Keller's stick out of, of that situation, the puck's going to the ice and it's going into the corner or going on net. Yeah. Well, like I said, from what I saw on, after the game on Twitter, when I quickly went on to see what people were saying about it, a lot of people viewed it. But I shouldn't say a lot of people because most of them were Leafs fans, but a good number of people were viewing it as that it should have been a good goal and Toronto kind of got screwed over because of the random occurrence of calling that that specific ruling at that specific time. But you could argue either way, I guess, if, if they didn't view it as Keller Stick interfered with him 
knocking it down to get possession and it, whatever they viewed it as a hand pass and whatever. But to me, it, well, it it should have been a good goal because it it wasn't a hand pass. It just happened to hit off his hand. He didn't purposely you know direct his hand to knock the puck. You know what pisses me off the most about this whole scenario, though? What? Trump's technically, let's say Trump scored. Okay, 3-3. Toronto had all the momentum for like almost the whole third period. So they probably would have went into overtime having Marner, Matthews, Riley, Bunting, whomever, whomever, Tavares, Nylander, and Brody, whomever they're putting out there as their main three lines that are rotating against Nick Ritchie, Clayton Keller, Lean O'Brien. Tron would have killed him in overtime. Yeah. Probably would have won the game. The next morning we would have woke up with Toronto starts slow or start or started fast. The game got away from them. They come back. The headline would have been something like Toronto's determination gets them a W. Toronto struggled to face Arizona or beat Coyotes, but came out on top. Something like that. But instead, because that goal was called back and Toronto couldn't score again within the last 38 seconds or whatever it was on the clock, the next morning we woke up to Toronto gets defeated by worst team potentially in the history of the NHL, like roster style. Yeah. Now, for the last three days, it's been rip on the leaves, talk shit, this, that, the other. But all of those guys who are the reporters, like, say, some people who fill in on Sportsnet, they are actually Toronto Maple Leaf fans. They openly admit that. But all they do is dog on the Leafs because they lost Arizona. But if they would have put that puck in the back of the head and counted it, all these uh, reporters would have been saying, it was a tough one, we shouldn't have played that bad. But we should have walked all over them, but we got the W, so let's move on. We're three and one. Instead, we're talking, it's two and two. We lost to Arizona. Oh my gosh, how could this happen? There's one specific show on Sportsnet from nine, now nine to 11. I cannot stand that person. I'm not naming names, but if you know who I'm talking about, you know why. All he does is dog on the Leafs and then say that he needs to support the Raptors more because they're a winning culture. Like, if 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 Toronto would have won that game, everyone would have been like, oh, the Montreal game was a fluke. Three and one, this is the team that we thought. Now it's like, oh, gosh, Muzzin's hurt. We got Victor Mete playing. He's not an NHL player. This, that, the other. Like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to win with this defensive core? I guarantee by the trade deadline when Toronto's in a playoff spot, locked up a playoff spot, killing it, kicking ass, taking names, they're going to be saying, this decor is the best decor we've had. Because last year when we got Mark Giordano, guess what everyone said? Oh my gosh, we have the guy. We got the guy that we wanted. It's it's disgusting. And and also people are saying that Toronto doesn't have enough draft capital, roster capital, money, all this other stuff. Damian Severson, John Klinberg, um, uh, I forget who else is there there's available. Jacob Churchin are all gonna be available at the trade deadline. Toronto can make it work. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. You think that they're caring about what's gonna happen in ten years to their roster? No, because they want to win now. Because they're tired of this BS. Anyways, that's my rant. Because it's, it's, that's one of the main reasons why I can't listen to any any hockey podcast right now. Like it's 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 actually a piss off to listen to them because all they're doing is dogging on the leash. Because one fluke play that happens eighteen hundred times in a week in the NHL gets turned back, and now Toronto looks like an an idiot for losing. But no one's talking about bu- Buffalo who, I mean, I like Buffalo. They got a good team, I think. I think they're going to be middle of the pack, closer to the bottom probably, but years to come, they're going to be good. Beats the quote-unquote Stanley Cup contender, finalist, Stanley Cup winner in the Edmonton Oilers, and that's okay because guess what? We got a playoff or a Stanley Cup preview tonight in Edmonton and Carolina. That's what people are saying. The game tonight between Edmonton and Carolina is going to be a Stanley Cup final. 
But yet they they lost four two and absolutely got obliterated. Like, did you see the Lou huh? Labushkin hit? I don't even know if that's a word. But did you see the Labushkin hit on uh, Dylan Holloway? Yeah, yeah. He's like that was basically a metaphor for what Buffalo did to Edmonton the other night. Jack Campbell has been Swiss cheese. Stu Skinner, Swiss cheese. So why are we ripping on Toronto for having Sam Sonoff, who's actually played? He's only let like what four goals in, three goals in. Uh, yeah, something like that. And yeah, I think he let four goals in on two games. Uh, Jack Campbell let two goals in on his first three shots, and his next game he let three goals in on four shots or something like that. So he got pulled in the Calgary game, and almost pulled in the Vancouver game, within like a minute of the game. I'm just tired of the BS. Like Jack Campbell's not a good goalie. Toronto's going to be fine. Get off the pot or piss. That's it. You agree with me, Scott, or no? Yeah. I mean, maybe not as as vocally as, as you just put it, but I, I I started the my original point with how I found it annoying that a lot of people are dogging on the Leafs, and I, I haven't really seen it as that. So, yeah. Like, the same thing happened last year when they were losing to um... – they're losing what were they two one and one or one two and one or whatever and then they played that chicago game i heard today from luke fox i'll name him because i don't care uh luke fox said there there's a reporter that he's not going to name that had a pre-written article about sheldon keith being fired after that game because he thought that they were going to lose to chicago once they lost to the chicago or once they won to chicago against chicago last year they went on to have the best record in franchise history it's it's still potentially uh, like there's a high chance that it could happen this year, that they could break the 115. We're only four games in. We're two and two. We're literally like tenth in the league. So, anyways, uh, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I think I think you covered it all right there. <laughs> Alrighty, well, thank you for listening to another uh, episode of Least Talk Forever. Remember subscribe. Check us out on social media. Uh, Kyle should be back with us next week. Uh, the game's at 10.30 next week, so we'll do another pre-edition. However, this is a pre-pre-edition. The game's coming on now. It should be on in about four minutes, so let's get rocking. Go Leafs, go. Have a good night. Thanks.